Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith. It's so good to be here with you listening and uh, with my friends in the studio, Tom DeAngelis, Tom Terrace, and Tom Fertile. How are you guys doing? Great, Great to be here, Rob. Uh, good to be here with you guys. Uh, for those of you who are joining us again, welcome back to Reflections from the Heart. For those who are with us for the first time, it is a gospel reflection. If you're saying, what the heck is this? Reflections from the Heart is a gospel reflection where we're going to look at the gospel for the coming Sunday. So this Sunday, September 9th, we'll look and pray through that gospel. So when we get to Mass, we'll we'll be that much more prepared to, to pray the Mass. Uh, and this week's gospel is from the Gospel of Mark. So if you have uh, a chance to either get your Bible or look online, it's Mark 7, 31 to 37. Mark 7, 31 to 37. So before we break open the gospel, Tom, if you could open us up with prayer. Absolutely. Be happy to. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Dear Lord, our prayer today is comes right from your words in the gospel. Lord, we pray that we may be opened, that we may open our hearts to your love, we may open our minds to your will, we may open ourselves to your promptings, to your grace, that we may become vessels ready to receive all that you have in store for us. And not only that we are open, but then we have the courage to follow, the wisdom to obey and the trust to rely on you for all that we need and all that we are to do. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So you had to throw that trust in there at the end. Always. That's, that's the harder part. <laughs> oh, the boy. belief is easy. It's the trust <laughs> that gets you. <laughs> wow. Let's, uh, let's pray for each other with that one. Uh, so, uh, Tom Terrace, can you read the gospel for yeah, us? Yeah, sure. Again, Thanks. it's um, from the... Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 31 through 37. Again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay hands on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and, spitting, touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I should try that one with my boys. Guys, do not do the lawn. Do not <laughs> cut the lawn. Don't you dare cut the lawn. Yeah, you know, that, that was uh, something that came up earlier in the week with one of the Gospel Reflection groups I was with. Somebody mentioned, you know, here's, here's a man that works miracles, you know, uh, 
opens people's eyes that are blind, raises a girl, little girl from the dead, does all these things, and he tells you not to do something, and you go ahead and do the exact opposite. And the more he tells you, the more you do the opposite. How does that, you know, what were those people thinking? You know, It's almost kind of comical. When you're talking about your boys, I thought you were going to talk about putting, you know, the, your wet finger in their ear or something like that. <laughs> Rob, I had a whole different thing in mind there. You know, Jesus with the wet willy. Uh, it's interesting, though. I mean, you look at this and, like, wow. I mean, you know, whether you take it at, at face value as written. I mean, when do we see our Lord this, you know, up close and, and yeah. personal and, you know, you can almost say invasive, like, wow, right right in with somebody. And I was reading a little uh, little reflection by uh, one of our one of our friends of the ministry, Christopher West, of course, with the Core Project, who you can hear, by the way, coming up September 19th and 20th at our <laughs> fall conference. Ah, there's our plug. Uh, by all means, stewardshipmission.org. Come check out the website. But uh, Christopher is a good friend of the ministry, and uh, he really talked about, like, wow, like, what, what an intimate you know, um, uh, interaction that we see with our Lord, mm. like that, you know, but that's, that's what, that's what he seeks, you know, and that, 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 again, that trust to be open to like, you know, this will be okay. Let me in. And in this, in this area here, this, this physical, you know, let me, let me write into, into your life in some ways, you know, and interact with your body. Um, and, and, and I'll take care of things, you know, I'll, I'll heal you. Just let me in. And I think, you know, how much of our spiritual battle is, we like to let him in somewhat or a little bit or on some things, but other things, no, Lord, thank you. I have this under control. Let's, let's stay on this part of my life, you know, and not on the other parts. So what a, what a great example that that intimate interaction is what he seeks with us, you know, all of us every day in every aspect of our life. It's pretty, uh, pretty amazing stuff. Not, not just that, Tom. I mean, I think also when you consider that the Gospels are the fruit of, you know, years, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of oral tradition passed down before they were written down, before the apostles began to realize, hey, we're not going to be around f- forever, the eyewitnesses, but that this information was captured at this level of detail, mm. even though it was probably told dozens of times uh, in the community. But because I think it, it does touch people, not only did Jesus intimately touch the man that he cured, but also the people who were observing, you know, um, which – and we were joking earlier about not doing what Jesus said, but how can you contain yourself when you see – you experience something like this, you know? And I think that's kind of the, the message here, but uh, – but even even the fact that it was that it was remembered at that level of detail, you know, it is very it's very intimate. That it must have had a, a tremendous impact on people spiritually. Yeah, the thing that jumped out at me is um, the faith and intercessory prayer that these people had, because it said the people brought to him a deaf man and begged him to lay hands on him. So, mm. you know, it was it was you know the faith of these people that knew that Jesus could do something for this man. So, you know, their prayers and their faith, you know, healed him. And, and it doesn't really say that, you know, um, he was proclaiming it, you know, not to tell anyone, but they were, you know, so we don't even know the, you know, this sort of level of um, humility this man might have had at being healed. Um, and it was, uh, I just astonished by the faith and, you know, intercessory prayer by these people. Yes, that's beautiful. This past week, I had a chance to uh, to see our Lord up close and personal in in a pretty rough uh, section of Philadelphia. A lot of drugs, uh, a lot of uh, alcoholism, and this this priest has such a heart for people 
that are that are in that in that circumstance. He's got five, I think it was five row homes all in a row, row homes all in a row. Yeah, yeah five <laughs> five row homes, uh, where one of them was a chapel, one with. Uh, living quarters above it. One was his office with his living quarters, and the rest are for you know halfway houses, right? For people mm-hmm. that are that are uh, trying to to get back on their feet. And we spent uh, probably the first two hours with him at mass, adoration, and then at a meeting with people who were um, who were battling their addiction. And the adoration time was 20 minutes, and he was trying to get people to contemplate, to, to enter into a contemplative prayer, even beyond meditation, like the, just that oneness. And uh, it was beautiful to have all the – it was my first time there. Four of my friends took me, and they've been there before. And I was just astonished at just the, the silence during that adoration time. And afterwards, he had asked people – Father had asked people to share it. You know, how did that feel? Because some people were new, and uh, and they share, they share beautifully. And, and this one guy shared. He said, "When I was in there, I was just picturing like in with Jesus. We need exhale out with Chuck. And that was his name. In with Jesus, out with Chuck. Nice. And Father said, Chuck, that's that's an awesome start. God wants to be so close to you, Chuck, that He wants it to be in with Jesus, out with Jesus, in with Jesus." out with Jesus. So no matter what, no matter where you are, you are one with our Lord. And then you're just, everything you do, say, think, act, your eye, your, your eye contact is people are seeing and feeling and experiencing Jesus in you. He said, that's what contemplative prayer is all about. And I was like, whoa. I mean, it was, uh, it was amazing. So the time you'd mentioned like the intimacy here with Jesus, you know, Touching the man's ears and and his tongue and uh, um, and Tom about intercessory prayer. So I had a just a beautiful experience uh, this week with just the intimacy that Jesus wants to have and uh, and just the depth of uh, the depth of, of the humility of the people that were there. A lot of whom were were pretty down and out, and it's just the, you know the, just the growing trust. You can tell that they were really growing in trust with our Lord, and uh, you know we're all that deaf. That deaf mute beggar or deaf mute man on on this, on the street, we all have some type of of impediment going on in our lives, and uh, you know Jesus just wants us to come and just be with Him, just be with Him, let Him fill our hearts and be uh, you know again as the words that Jesus spoke the you know epith of it to, to be opened. Um, Pope uh, Benedict was preaching on this a couple years back, and he, he said that 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 word pretty much sums up our mission, you know, as disciples, is to be opened, you know, to be open, to receive, to trust, to follow. I mean, that if you had to sum everything up in one word, it's pretty, you know, pretty, um, in, in, I think, a pretty good insight. Um, that really is the role. It goes back to you know the sound of music, right, Maria? Mm-hmm. What's uh, what have you learned at your time in the Abbey mm-hmm. to find the God, to find the will of God in my life, and to obey wholeheartedly? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Everything that we're mm-hmm. to do is is to be open, to be able to receive, and to have that, and to have that that trust uh, to receive and, and to follow. And you know, you know, joked about it, Robert, but it's true. It's I, I always say that that the trust part is always the difficult part. I think, you know, belief for for many people, belief is not the it, it's the issue. It's the trusting that. Um, 
you know, uh, God's way is going to be superior to my way, or his point of view is going to be better than my point of view, or, you know, that, that I mean, maybe my thoughts about something or how I want to react or how I want to address it might not be the right way. And there's that fine, you know, we have that, uh, what do we teach kids? You have like a few seconds before you react to something, you know, to take a moment and, and consider how you're going to react. Mm-hmm. And I think how many times in life we're dealing, dealt with difficult people, different situations, and it's like, do we do we pause and not just, you know, evaluate it, how, do I, how am I going to react? But how would God want me to react? You know, what's the what's the proper reaction to this? What's the po- proper course of action? You know, I think a lot of times we we invoke God, um, you know, after the fact, as opposed to in that in that moment, um, because sometimes we know. I think for me, I'll say it. Sometimes we know ahead of time what His answer is going to be. I don't want to hear that answer. You know, I want to be righteously indignant. You know, I want to I want to be justified. I want to be able to make my point. I want to be able to be, you know, bitter or spiteful. You know, first, then I'll feel guilty about it later. But I, as opposed to, wait a minute, you know, what's what's the proper response? Am I open? Am I trusting? As the Lord is going to place his hands upon my face or in my ear or on my tongue, you know, am I going, yes, Lord, I believe that that faith you talked about, Tom? Or am I going, eh, wait, 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 wait a minute, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's, can we, can we negotiate this? Can we have a different, uh, you know, perspective here? So that, uh, that call to be open, literally, in, in all those ways, um, is the call of, call of all Christians to be open. To, if I can just share, priest this week was sharing so many beautiful stories of God's presence. And uh, when you were sharing there, Tom, I was thinking of a pause button. Like how, mm-hmm. how much heartache would, would we spare if we can just have that pause button and just kind of stop, take a moment, right? Uh, and this, this priest said, I'm celebrating the 28th anniversary of my 39th birthday. And, and he told us the story. He said, but first I have to get my bat. So he goes up and gets a bat and he starts to tell us a story. So it was his 39th birthday and it was, on, it was a Friday the 13th and it was Good Friday. And he's, you know, he went for an eight mile run and he's in his, you know, wherever, in, in the house where he's living and he sees someone breaking into his car. So he goes out and he brings his bat and he stands on top of the car and, you know, over top of the, I don't know if he was on the car or outside and he says, what are you doing? And the guy makes, a, a, you know, a gun motion with his finger, like I have a gun. And the guy gets out and ends up grabbing the bat. And then they start wrestling. And the guy starts like pounding the priest over the head, like not like a baseball swing, but he's holding the top and the bottom of the bat and just hitting it over the priest's head. And, and they're wrestling, they're fighting. You know, he's got scrapes on his hands, he's got scrapes on his feet. The guy bites him twice in the side. He's got all this stuff going on. And then in a moment, there was a pause. And God showed him the scene. He was like, he was pulled out and God showed him a scene of what was going on or what was going to happen where this guy fully took the bat out and was able to start swinging the bat and connecting with blows to the head. And this priest saw himself on the ground with his head split open, dying on the ground. And then he came to, and when he came to, the guy that he was fighting with was kneeling next to him, sobbing, crying. And he said, what, what's going on? He said, I just got out of jail. My kids need money. And, and, and father's like, well, I have $7 upstairs I can give you. So they ended up going, sitting on his front stoop, gets the $7, and they talk for about an hour. And that's why he calls it the, thir- the 28th anniversary of his 39th birthday. He said, there's no, you know, I should be dead. God showed me that he spared me for this mission that I've been on for these last 28 years, helping those who are most down and out. All right, so that little pause, he saw his life 
flash before his eyes of the, like the mm. what could have been, mm. and then God's mercy intervening, and uh, and you know, God is his plan is just amazing, right? So sometimes we uh, we get some insights into that, and then the other story he told us about was someone who was in the mafia, who you know was no longer in was totally addicted to drugs outside his house in the cold of winter, pulled him in. They started a relationship and this guy um, and needed to go to the hospital. So they called for her father to come. And when he went to the hospital, he said, this guy was petrified. He was so scared. And he was just thinking back of the, you know, the couple decades of what he did and he was petrified. And father pulls out his, what is it, stole? When they can just, yeah. yeah pull, and he said, we can take care of that right now. And he said he spent a long time with him in confession. He let everything out. And then he recovered, got out of the hospital, you know, lived without, you know, whatever portion of his life, went back in the hospital, called for father again. He went, this guy was so full of joy, so full of peace, joking with the, the nurses. And he was, he was definitely, you know, he was on, on the way. And father calls this his Matt Talbot miracle. Matt Talbot is the patron, you know, almost saint of, uh, of alcoholics. Because this guy said, Father, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I know where I'm going. And Father said that he spent so much time at the bedside of the dying, and he spent the, uh, a lot of time at the bedside of the dying of people who were, you know, professional religious types. And they were so scared. Hmm. And he asked us, there's five of us there, he said, do you know what the difference is? The guy's name was Carl. I said, Carl realized that God's gift or God's mercy is a gift, and he accepted that. And these other these others were still trying to earn mm-hmm. their way in. Like, wow, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> wow, God is so good. One of the things um, I'm going through some books that have been on my pile for a while. One was was rebuilt, which is about you know kind of turning a parish around. Uh, very interesting. And then the other one is uh, Forming Intentional Disciples by uh, a woman by the name of Sherry Waddell. And the interesting thing about that book in particular, I'm just thinking of when you brought that up, Rob, is that uh, she, she quoted you know dozens of statistics basically to make the point that there are you know millions of people in the Catholic Church who don't have a deep personal relationship with the person of Jesus, with God. And don't even know that it's important, you know. And I'm and I'm thinking, you know, that may be the reason why a lot of people are in our day and age are operating fundamentally out of a, a consumer profile that basically says I got to get as much as I can before it's all gone, or just operating out of fear. I mean, there's so much even in our church that I see people reacting, not responding, that reacting with caution or fear or protection or, you know, some way that is fundamentally ungraceful, you know? I mean, it, it's just, it, it's unbecoming of somebody in our faith. And I'm not saying that we have to be lax and, you know, casual about everything, but there's just that sense of in your life that God is there, that he's present, that he's with you, that He'll, he'll make sure that things turn out, even when it gets bad, even when we think, how did this happen? How did this happen to me? It, there's, a, there's that grace. There's that ability to just say, it's going to be okay. 
And there are a lot of people, I believe, in the church that haven't, because they haven't, they haven't allowed themselves to be touched by a person of Jesus, you know? I think of some of the people that I do gospel reflection with, and we talk a lot about the impact of the Eucharist on our life. Now, these are people who I think several of them are probably pretty close to, to, to being, you know, ready to see their maker at some point. And, uh, you know, these are people who have a great deal of faith. They're not scared. They're not, you know. And and I think there's a huge difference for people who are brought to that experience by somebody like, you know, the priest that you met who are able to experience God. And a lot of times, and again, with Jesus, he went out to the sinners, to the downtrodden, to the downcast, the people who are – because those are the people who are most desperate, needed the most, and who probably respond, you know. Those of us that are in the church sometimes, I think we think we've got it made, you know, and we don't feel that we need it, you know. Like I, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I go to Mass every day. I say the rosary. I do this. I do that. I'm good, you know. It, it's I'm okay. Things will be okay, you know. I'm not worried about it. Um, but then when something happens, you're petrified, you know. And I think, I think that's because that, that, that experience, you know, you sort of see God as a policeman, you know, like you when you when you're good, you know, OK, I'm obeying everything. And, you know, it's like when a yeah. cop is behind you and you're driving you make sure you're joint, you know, you're yeah. going nice and slow. So we see our lives in that way that God is just looking for me to screw up. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. uh, but he, we don't see him as being in there for us that, you know, involved in all of our lives intimately. We just see him as the, right. you know the state police or something. Yeah, and, and as being there for us when things aren't going well, even in the middle of something not going well, instead of saying, God, why are you doing You know, saying, it's going to be okay. I still have the trust. I think there's a reason why we've, you, we use the word grace because that's what we're called to be and to do when we're in difficult situations. If And if not there, where, you know? Mm. I mean, if there's ever an example of grace, it's, you know, the, the, the story of Jesus, you know, his suffering and death. If there's ever a, an example of grace under extreme pressure and suffering, you know, that he even has the pre- – I often think that he, he even had the presence of mind to say the things he said and do the things he did. You know, that's, that's grace. That's God's grace. How do you do that when you're bleeding to death, you know, when you're suffocating? You expired, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls. That's mm-hmm. coming from the, one of the Chaplet of Divine Mercy prayers. I just, I, just, I don't know, the inspiration looked that up. As you're talking, I mean, it goes back to that. Do I recognize that mm-hmm. source of life, mm-hmm. that that's the source, he alone? There's, there's one name, right. there's one avenue, there's one Lord, there's one master. That, that's, you know, and any time, I think our spiritual battle is when we put something else in front of him, you know, of, of equal or greater value, like to use a supermarket <laughs> term, you know, there is nothing of equal or greater value. Yeah. And when we do, then we're going to, we're going to miss something. And, and, and the second part of that, you know, again, going back to some of the, I think the folks who recognize more and are more appreciative, second part of that, that opening prayer and the ocean of mercy mm. opened up for the whole world. I mean, that, that, mm. uh, I love that, that image I mean, the ocean of mercy that, Again, we, we say it, we know that no matter what you've done, you know, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. And I think sometimes, yeah, the people who have, who need the mercy the most, you know, recognize it and, they're, and, they're, and they appreciate the gift. You know, some of those people on the street who've been through such that, what, I've done so, such horrible things, you know, and they recognize that gift. 
But I think sometimes, you know, I'll put myself there, sometimes we, the the righteous, or we, the tempting to be holy, sometimes, you know, we, you know, we take that for granted, or we we don't always see our own illness. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the truly sick recognize that I need the healer. But when we're pretty much healthy, then sometimes we, you know, n- n- neglect to recognize that I've got a couple of warts or some things to work on. And so do we, do we tap into that ocean of mercy, you know, and recognize that source of life. Um, and when we do, you know, good things happen. It goes back to all of everything we've talked about, you know, that trust, that openness, you know, that we go back to the source um, that is who is available to all and everyone. Um, so pretty good images there. Hmm. As you're talking about that, Tom, you know, just the whole equal or less, equal or greater value, I was just drawing out something on the paper as you were sharing, pre-conversion and post-conversion. You know, be, like, before we truly say yes to our Lord, right? You know, what is mortal sin? It's bad. You know it's bad and you do it anyway, right? Um, so before you have that conversion moment and you know, fully know that God needs to be first, right? There's obviously a lot of things that are going to be before him pre-conversion because, you know, God doesn't even make your top 10 list most times. But post-conversion, as you're sharing, Tom, I was thinking, man, like, how scary is it? Because for me... Um, a lot of times it's, it's self-will that I place at equal or greater value. You know, like where, where you, th- you know, I think I can control it or I can figure it out or, you know, yeah. so, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's why that examination of conscience is so, so critical just to see in every aspect of life or, you know, are we putting ourselves above our Lord? You know, some of our, even some of our good habits, like you're saying earlier, yeah. Tom, going to mass every day, praying the rosary every day. Like if we're just doing it out of, out of habit or out right. of anything other than wanting to commune with God. Um, yeah, it's so raising, sometimes, the, raising the bar on there for, yeah. raising the bar for us, Tom. Sometimes so. I, I think of Psalm 42, the line from Psalm 42, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you just sit there and know that there is a God and he's with you. That, and know him and get to know him, you know, in your own heart, in your own mind. And that transcends all the senses. Yeah. yeah and, and that just takes, that takes the intentional blocking out of time, of our time to be with the one who is saying, be still and know that I'm God. Like, you know, mm-hmm. break away intentionally, closing out everything else and opening up our, our calendar to him, our time to him. Mm-hmm. So that psalm's not be worrisome and uh, and frantic and <laughs> yeah. uh, ask God for what I want for my yeah. own desires. That's not. I thought okay, been reading that one wrong, Tom. That's good. Be, that's that's good. Be still and wring your hands and worry <laughs> yeah. about what. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, well, it comes back to trust again, doesn't it? it comes yeah. Back to that, so, that trust and being and open. And of all the psalms you could have quoted, that's the psalm that Father quoted with the mass a chapel yeah. full of folks uh, trying to break free be still and know that I'm God and they said and if you get distracted you know there's gonna be all these distractions be still and if you can't even do that just still 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 right so for everyone out there be still and know he is God and he loves you so much thank you and we'll talk to you next week Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship a Mission of Faith We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at 
stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him. Thank you.